We're back at it. Yes, we are here to <laughs> recap the games around the Big 12. Let's start with... Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Did you actually <laughs> Yeah, that's actually how we're going to start it off. <laughs> the people... I won't include I won't include the burp, but... Well, the people will know about it now, but it won't be in there. Well, no, well, now we have to put it on there, Ben. We'll see. I'll check the tape back and see, you know, how oh, how, is, how audible it is. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go, John. OU Nebraska. OU whoops Nebraska. 49-14. OU with 312 rushing yards. They're 10 of 16 on third down. And most importantly of all, they whooped them so bad they fired their defensive coordinator. I mean, but the um, writing on was on the wall for um, Nebraska's defensive coordinator. It was just not working well. You give up forty-five points to Georgia Southern this past week. Um, you Who probably then go and lose to UAB. <laughs> oh yeah, they lost to UAB. Uh, and then a week later, you you show up and play Dylan Gabriel. Um, really, an, uh, a, a lot better of an offensive performance that we've seen from Oklahoma. They were a little bit stagnant early on against UTEP and Kent State. They were able to really get things going against Nebraska. Dylan Gabriel, 16 of 27, 230 yards. Really good performance by him. But yeah, but yeah, I believe he had a, a rushing touchdown, a, a, a really, I believe, a pretty long rushing touchdown as well. So great performance from him. Um, Marcus Major also went off as well. A little bit of a little bit of a quiet game from Marvin Mims as well, um, as, as well as Drake Stoops. Um, so ultimately, we'll see. Oh, never mind. I, I was looking up a rushing. I was looking up a rushing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're this, fine. This happens to me when I look at ESPN stats. But um, I, uh, um, now now I'm looking at it right. Um, Marvin Mims, four receptions, sixty-six yards. Uh, that is definitely the, the top concern I, I I would have if I'm if I'm K State secondaries I would have to really keep him on, on guard as well as Drake Stoops three receptions thirty two yards um, Theo Weiss had two receptions uh, forty six yards which was um, pretty impressive as well he had a touchdown as well um, and then Nebraska my goodness dude <laughs> Casey Thompson he he. He played all. He played all right. Fourteen of twenty, fourteen out of twenty, one hundred twenty-nine yards. And then uh, Brock Purdy's brother got in some playing time as well. Um, so not not really take too much to take from that, and not really too much to take away um, from this game because at this point Nebraska is con- is probably worse than Kent State and UTEP combined. Uh, so um, but we'll we'll see really what Oklahoma's made of. Um, especially when when they play K State, like we'll we'll really tell her out of a get go what what this Sooner team is. Uh, um, after this after this next Saturday. Yeah, you know Derek Young kind of mentioned it in an article he did on K State Online. Um, how wide open the Big Ten West is with how Iowa's playing, Wisconsin getting upset by Washington State, um, Illinois. I don't think I think Purdue lost as well. I mean, Minnesota is kind of the only team that's kind of cruising right now. Northwestern lost to Southern Illinois. Yeah, Southern Illinois, K State's FCS opponent from last year. So uh, big win for the Salukis as well. I mean, they they were due to beat an FBS team, and I was I was kind of expecting it to be Northwestern. Uh, I mean, they were putting it on on them as well, like thirty to fourteen at one point. Um, so. 
big win for Vasiliki there, just further proving uh, that the Big Ten needs to eliminate divisions already because it's an absolute joke. Absolutely stupid. I mean, you have Michigan. So Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State are in the same division, and only one of them gets – Penn State as well. Penn State, only one of those four get to go to the Big Ten Championship. Completely Mm -hmm. idiotic. Completely idiotic. All right, let's get through a couple blowouts here, John. Oklahoma State beat Arkansas Pine Bluff 63-7. to Fun fact, John, the backup quarterback who Gunner Gundy, is that Mike Gundy's kid? Yep. Had He had more passing yards than Spencer Sanders did in this game. So, or passing yeah. attempts, sorry, passing attempts. So he yep. threw more passes than Spencer Sanders. Um, let's get, yeah, let's just get through the rest of these blowouts. Baylor beats Texas State 42-7. to uh, Baylor with a dominant win, but Blake Shapin's line doesn't look super impressive. 15-26. to Touchdown interception. Um, still, I think he's still got something to prove. Um, he's still tech- got something to prove. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia, 65-7 to seven over Towson. They won a football game. They won a – where, where is Towson? I have no um, clue where that is. I think it's, a, I think it's somewhere in Maryland. Yeah, it's, Bal- it's in the Baltimore area. Okay. Baltimore area. Well, yeah. anyway – but for how small Maryland is, they got a lot of colleges. My goodness. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, fun fact for this game, West Virginia played four different quarterbacks. So they really got a good look at the talent they have, I guess. Um, Cincinnati beats Miami of Ohio 38-7. to um, Texas beats UTSA 41-20. to Hudson Card did end up making the start for this game. Played pretty decent. Bijan obviously had a great game. Um, it was a little weird statistically that UTSA dominated the time of possession by like a lot. Texas had a ton of penalties and UTSA still had 400 yards of offense. So there's still kind of some tuning up that Texas needs to do um, before they get into um, the swing of things in big 12 play. What other games we've got to talk about here? Let's go ahead and do, uh, Oh yeah. Iowa state beats Ohio for uh, 43 to 10 Hunter Decker had a really good game. 268 yards, three tutties, no picks. So Iowa State kind of rolling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go and do – we'll do Texas Tech, NC State next. Um, what I made of the game, just looking at some highlights, a little bit of what I saw, NC State's defense looked pretty good. Um, Texas yeah. Tech had 80 more yards than NC State, but they still lost by double digits. Uh, but, I mean, that's mostly because of four turnovers, two picks by Donovan Smith. Not going to win a lot of games with that, with four turnovers and only 54 yards rushing, John. It, it was not really the best performance we've seen from Texas Tech. And and, and you mentioned it, Donovan Smith, that the, um, ultimately with two interceptions, um, I believe their backup came in and threw a pick as well. Um, kind, kind of seeing some semblance there with Missouri um, from, this, from this past week as well. But kudos to NC State. Uh, when their defense comes up clutch, they're going to come up clutch. Dave Doran really knows how to get his guys going for some of these big games. Kind of fluke early on against East Carolina, but they managed to um, they managed to prevail there, and really just since then, just taking it to everybody else, um, everybody else, um, uh, everybody else's offense um, as well, and uh, uh, Texas Tech. Big win over Houston this past, uh, this last weekend. Um, try to try to really get yourself going before you play Texas this next week at, uh, in Lubbock. I mean, think of how big that would have been a of a 
of an upwards trajectory that would have been for Joey McGuire to pick up a big win over NC State, but that never came into fruition as well. Um, I, I, I showed I showed this I showed a video to Blaker uh uh oh in, uh geez during the break and uh, uh it, it was just it was it was just really hard to see. Yeah, that Bryce uh, Bryce Ramirez injury. Oof. I mean, if you're like a light stomach, definitely do not watch that video. It's, uh-huh. We were talking about it. it's not like Kevin Warebad where you're seeing the bone from his calf, but like it's close. Like you can see the bone actually move and break. I mean, I don't know if I'll play my reaction to it when I was watching it, but I. I just let it a big scene. I was like, oh my gosh. Like it was kind of, just... kind of sounded like to, to give you a little summary or kind of put it into context, it kind of sounded like Stephen A. Smith when he sees the uh, next dropped a uh, dropped a no name. Oh damn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just stuck. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> All right. Uh what do we got here? How about some uh future Big 12? BYU Oregon. Oregon whoops BYU 41 to 20. Bo Nix had a really good game. Again, getting a ton of FOMO from watching other teams just air it out downfield and make big plays. <laughs> Couldn't be us. Uh, Bo Nix, yeah, Bo Nix looked really solid. The running back Marquise Irving looked electric. Um, Nix, their uh, wide receiver Troy Franklin made some great plays. I was really impressed with what I saw from Oregon. And and I was saying earlier, um, um, earlier prior to the show, um, this just further proves how good Georgia is. I mean, you 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 first shut out Oregon, forty nine to three. Then Oregon puts up seventy plus points on Eastern Washington, um, one of the better FCS teams that we've seen over the years. And then you also got uh, BYU. I mean, then then you get a BYU team that's coming off real high after a win over Baylor. And Oregon just ultimately just takes them out. You got um, you got Irving for Oregon as well as Winnington, um, going over 50, uh, 50 yards rushing. Um, but you mentioned it. Bo Nix really showed up in this game. Thirteen of eighteen, two hundred twenty-two yards, uh, two touchdowns as well. QBR, QBR rating of ninety point eight. That 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 to me is pretty eye popping. Um, just to see as from as one of the observers. Uh, as one of those college football observers, you don't really see um, really stats like that from a from a quarterback that hasn't really performed to the highest level. Um, but a big win for Oregon, especially a big home win for the Ducks. And uh, yeah, and really a big win for Oregon to really cap off a, a pretty good week for the Pac-12 as well. Um, you also had Washington beating Michigan State as well. Um, and yeah, just, just, hanging around with Notre Dame at least, you know, almost beating Notre Dame. Did you, I don't know how much that means, but <laughs> if, you, if you saw the Hail Mary at the end, Cal tried to attempt. They they had two players that had an opportunity to catch the ball, and one of them had like one of them had the ball like right in the right in the eyesight, but he slams the ball down, like but like he had the the ball was right in the air. He had the opportunity to catch it. But the ball barely passed by him, and he accidentally slams the ball down, uh, incomplete. And Mark Freeman gets his first win. Notre Dame's going to be in for a rough season. <laughs> you would feel bad for them, but they're Notre Dame fans. So 
and and you also got to point out uh that that uh that guy from over on derby uh as well so uh oh yeah of course no, of no, course. no, remorse, no remorse at all <laughs> uh for the, for the gold i'll say about this byu oregon game the big 10 was probably watching this game very intrigued and <laughs> we like we need we can we could use some of that in our conference I, I I don't know, but the way they played against Georgia, I was like, oh my. Yeah, God. that's true. Bad look, but you know what? It's we'll, still we'll a brand. Keep, it's a big brand. It's it's a big brand. We'll see. We'll see how much they're able to keep on generating not only the the money, but uh, the Nike the Nike connections as well. Oh yeah. Um, especially since you still got Phil Knight, uh, making making just boatloads of cash like like we nobody's ever seen is just absolutely crazy but oregon good win over byu actually this is a great win over byu um bad bad break for the cougars especially if you were able to get this one over oregon you get you get two wins over baylor and oregon um and if you were able to beat arkansas and notre tame um, I mean, that would have really catapulted BYU to be in the top five yeah. for, co- for college football, but just another opportunity lost for BYU to really make a statement, especially when a lot of returners back as well. I believe they were second when it comes to returning production um, this season out of all the college football teams, um, but they were just not able to find their footing um, this year. Uh, so uh uh, disappointing loss for the Cougars. Looking forward to seeing how they do for the rest of the year, and uh, uh, maybe maybe we might see BYU early early on next season uh, in the new Big Twelve schedule as well. Um, I, I think I think I saw a tweet. I think I saw a tweet about this. Um, I don't remember when. Maybe it was earlier this week, but um, uh, we I think the Big Twelve schedule. For next for the following season comes out in October, so we'll really get a good glimpse of uh, that. Will be interesting. Who plays who first? So um, that that's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that. All right, John. This next section of our podcast goes out to all the KU fans who are hate listening to K State Sports Podcast. So this one goes out to all you. Um, KU beats the Houston Cougars forty-eight to thirty. Jalen Daniels out there getting compared to Lamar. <laughs> Jalen Daniels out here getting compared to Lamar Jackson. 281 total yards, five TDs. Um, KU's offense looks absolutely incredible, John. From what I saw when I got home from like the third and fourth quarter, uh, incredible. And from what I saw from their defense, you know, obvi- I mean, I think um, – they look pretty strong after, you know, they give up 30 points, but they still look pretty strong, at least in the third and fourth quarter. Um, KU punted their first two positions of the game and then didn't punt, I believe, the rest of the game. So they're a force to be reckoned with. And they were in the conversation having game day come their way. Second, it was a second week in a row for KU. They were down 14 uh, nothing early on, uh, on the road. Um, but they they really got things going, especially after the rain delay. No, let's keep in mind, KU and Houston, they were kind of rain delay while K-State and Tulane were kind of wrapping up their game. So ultimately, um, KU really got got together for the most part, and 
Of course, you got um, Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal going going all out. I believe um, also Tory Lachlan. He also had a great game for KU as well. Just kind of looking at just looking at some of his stats uh, for when it comes to receiving one one reception, sixty yards. That's a touchdown. Um, so ultimately, great performance by KU. Um, big, really, uh, again, another big statement win for them uh, in enemy territory, a future conference territory at Houston. I mean, a lot of people were looking at Houston this, this year and it's like thinking, oh, this is going to be the best group of five team, potentially New Year's six. Uh, Dana Holgerson's already losing to Texas Tech and Kansas. So um, that that dream is definitely out the window now. I believe um, I think I think out of all the future Big 12 coaches, Dana Holgerson, he might be the only coach in the FCS to have two losses to Kansas. Yeah, you know, John, let me... let's wait. Oh, I was just going to say, because let's not forget KU beat Dana Holgerson in West Virginia a couple of years back. Oh, uh, yeah. Lawrence as well. So, man, can't no breaks for Dana Holgerson. No breaks. It's, it's really brutal idea for him. So KU have the next three games at home. They got Duke, Iowa State, and TCU. What, do you, what are we thinking for attendance numbers? Are they going to get some fans? Are they going to sell out? The um, might, Memorial they Stadium. Might, they might get to the point where where uh where it's selling out as a possibility. I mean, they I haven't seen I really haven't seen this much upward trajectory in KU football dating back since the Mark Mangino days. I mean, they they have they have struggled for for a long time and things were just not panning well. Coaches um were getting fired everywhere, players. Um, just not getting the right right amount of treatment. It just didn't look like as if Kansas wasn't get anything going. I and mean, then on top of that, you have you have a horrific stadium as well. Um, but you know, a lot of excitement for Kansas is, um, for Kansas, especially offensively. I am I'm I'm one of a minority to say like I am in love just just witnessing this defense. I mean, not this defense, the offense. For KU, but the, the the defense needs the defense needs work. I mean, you give up 30 points to Houston, and then you also give up what was it like 43, 42 to, to West Virginia, 42 to, 42 to West Virginia. I mean, you KU's got to step up from um, when it comes to those regards. But um, big win, big win for KU. They they might be. They, it looks as if they're really they're really coming to, they're coming together under. Um, Lance Leipold and, and really quickly, I mean, you gotta you gotta really look back at where KU was post last miles. They were 0-9 under him. He left after 2020, and he barely had enough time to work with KU uh heading into his first season. You beat Texas in Austin, and then suddenly you get closer and closer. You lose to TC in West Virginia, kind of to wrap up a season, but in close fashion. And then now we're seeing in 2022, a 3-0 KU team that's beaten Power 5 teams on the road, future Power 5 teams on the road. I mean, it's it's some good stuff that they're making over there. Uh, but they aren't being K-State. Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm sticking to reality. Uh, and until, uh, I'll believe it until I see it, Blake. Yeah. Uh, that, that, the streak that, is the streak. 
A streak is a streak. There's no, isn't it? I mean, even look, I mean, this, this, this just kind of rattles my mind as well. But if K-State basketball suddenly gets like, but K-State basketball suddenly just skyrockets under Jerome Tang first season, you would have to be thinking from a KU, from a KU fan's perspective, like, okay, uh, we'll believe it till we see a K-State basketball. I mean, that, that's kind of the same narrative I'm getting from Kansas as well. Um, if you if you're able to find it compete with some of the bigger teams in the conference, which West Virginia has really kind of fallen off. I mean, but, I mean a big win nonetheless, but when you when yeah. you probably beat K-State, uh, then that's when we'll finally start taking you seriously. Well, we, well, I, I'll, let me – I take that back. I, I, I'm, I'm taking KU a little more serious now, but, um, I mean, come on. You, you, you haven't beaten K-State. You still have no room to talk. Yeah, well, it's the last game of the season, so that'll definitely be interesting. I mean, like I mentioned, they got their next three games at home. Then they got a true gauntlet. And at Oklahoma, at Baylor, Oklahoma State at home, at Texas Tech. Um, So they have a rough, brutal middle part of the schedule. Um, But, you know, take it one game at a time. Maybe they can be 4-0 and beat Duke. I mean, I think making a ball game, you know, getting six wins would be absolutely huge for Kansas. I think it's it's possible to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Texas Tech, Iowa State, TCU, who knows, K-State are winnable games for KU. So um, we'll see what happens. Lance Leipold seems to be doing the right things at KU. He's the guy who can change the culture around there, all the props in the world to him. And, you know, you can only be bet terrible at football for so long. And I think as K-State fans, knowing our history and everything that happened before Bill Snyder, um, you got to be, you know, rooting for a team like KU, at least a little bit. You may not publicly say it, but secretly, even though KU fans are the worst, it's just, you know, I think you got to root for the underdog a little bit. Now, but what now? The one thing I'd be concerned about if I was a KU fan, the more KU starts winning games, I have the more. The more I have a feeling that talks are going to start heating up uh, with Leopold in Nebraska. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, Urban Meyer he already turned down Nebraska this this weekend. I mean, he he already already talked to Nebraska. He's going to turn that down. So Nebraska is going to be looking at some of our options, and with a running product that that um Leipold's pointing out at Kansas, it's possible that um Nebraska may very well take a look at him, uh, possibly. I mean, look, and how could you not? Yeah, as a Nebraska from a perspective, per, Nebraska perspective, how can you not? That that is a strong Midwest connection right there. He's really going to get the most out of his players. Um, he's he's re- uh, now he's got the overall um, prowess and really no, he, he's now known for turning around one of the worst programs in college football. I, Can he do it again? Possibly at Nebraska. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you, uh, you don't really know what's happening in the mind of anybody like, like a Lance Leopold or a Chris Kleiman or, or even Lincoln Riley that matter as well. Um I'm hope I am I am yeah, hoping yeah. what no finish your thought finish your thought and then I would probably say from a Kansas perspective oh geez this is, this is how Iowa State fans feel with Matt Campbell <laughs> um but 
I, I will admit, oh, I'll, I'll come, I'll come clean when, you, you know, a man's got to come clean when he, when he's got to. Um, the big, the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve will most, will most definitely benefit. Um, keeping the likes of Lance Leipold and Matt Campbell um, from moving anywhere because coaches like that, and as well as Dave Aranda, Chris Kleiman at times, Mike Gundy's Mike Gundy, he's been the flagship of all Big 12 coaches. Um, the Big 12 really has an opportunity to really shine here over the next few years, especially with the newcomers coming in. Um, we'll, we'll just ultimately see if they're able to keep the really keep the coaches uh, intact because there's going to be a lot of schools with big money come, uh, calling um, from many locations. I mean, Arizona State just fired Herm Edwards today. So, uh, yep, and ASU fans are already making memes about Urban Meyer uh, coming to ASU. So <laughs> the meme, the meme has already begun for those ASU fans. Oh man, so continues while being while being unmuted. Oh my goodness, Ugh. I'm you good. Know, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I think when I don't know, I think it would be a little premature to say Lance Leipold has turned around KU football. Uh, three games in, I, I, I just think it's a little premature. Um, Nebraska is a pretty tempting job because you're in a pretty weak division in the second best conference in college football, arguably with SEC being at one, Big Ten at two. Um, and obviously there's the history of Nebraska and everything that comes with that. But, I mean, that would just be the ultimate, like, snake move if – if uh, Lance Leipold were to go to Nebraska, I like genuinely, I would feel really bad for KU fans. If like they, the second they have a sec, like a little bit of hope, he just bolts for Nebraska, which seems to have a huge culture problem. And it's just been a cursed program for many years now since, you know, Bo Pelini and um, since they left the big 12. Uh, yeah. Frank, Frank Solage, I believe was before. Yeah. Frank Solage. Yeah. Bo Pelini. Who am I missing? Uh, Mike Riley. Okay. Mike yeah. Riley. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, ever since Bo Pelini, really, <laughs> that's just the, the, the most like thing that's aged the worst firing Bo Pelini. What did he, how many games did he win after when they fired him? Around, around nine to 10. Yeah. Well, I think they won nine eight, games around eight to 10 every year at Nebraska. Oh gosh, John, we're slipping into mediocrity. We won nine games. We need to fire our coach. Yeah, no one. And then you wonder why they end up where they ended up. <sighs> All right, well, John. Kind of like Texas, you know. I mean, you 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 get rid of Tom Herman, uh, and then you bring in Steve Sarkeesian, uh, and then you you lose to Kansas, uh, <laughs> and don't which, make a ball game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you don't make a ball game as well. Also, th- thanks a lot, Steve Sarkeesian. Now you really got KU fans excited about football, <sighs> like. Dang it, man. It's all his fault. Dang it. If only could hire a defensive coordinator, not give up 57 points to KU. That's right. All Um, right. All right. I think we've (laughs) – that was an interesting talk going around the Big 12. Let's cover some K-State volleyball a little bit and some soccer before we get out of here. Um, K-State volleyball was in Houston over the weekend playing Rice and Creighton. Um, we were keeping up with the game live when we were doing our show on Wildcat 91.9. K-State was up 2-0 when we had left. And uh, unfortunately, John, they got reverse swept, blew the lead, lost 15-13 to in the fifth set. 
That was a real opportunity to get a huge win down there in Houston. Yeah, I mean, there, there was no other way to put it. A, a big opportunity blown for not just a not just a win, but just um, but another team that could really strength, uh, really boost K State's um, RPI, RPI, strength of schedule, and all that with a win. Um, but Rice really, but Rice really got heated. Uh, Rice really heated up late in the contest. Uh, they they recognized K State's six two rotation. Those being put it out, that was being put out there. Credit to K State's defense against Rice. They total fourteen blocks uh, with nine coming over with nine coming. Uh, but yeah, yeah, with nine coming over the um, first two first two sets. Um, Katie Fernholz and Haley Warner they led the way with seven blocks. Sydney Bolding added six as well. Um, Elena Baca she had a pretty good performance, fourteen kills. Um, but ultimately, Rice um, Rice really took the initiative. Their outside hitting really got going, um, laying this contest, and um, uh, as well as as well as their service, um, but pretty much just took K State out of rhythm early on in the fifth set. It was tied at ten, laying the fifth set, but Rice went on a three zero run, um, and then just took the net match barely. K State made a little bit of a late push but rice prevailed um so big big win for big win for rice on their home court difficult loss for k-state i mean i thought i thought they probably played um as well as they possibly could out of all the matches that they played so far um but rice's but it, but that rice team um they, they they uh they look really good tonight I mean, not tonight, but <laughs> I know what you meant. I know what you meant. It's 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 been a long week, dude. Probably oh, not the best, but not probably not the best weekend either. <laughs> yeah, not the best weekend either. That's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Elena, Elena Baca having a good game. Shaley Myers and Lauren Hinkle alongside Baca also had a double double. I mean, how about this? Hinkle had forty-one assists, which I think forty-one out of our fifty-three assists in the entire game. So uh, obviously doing a great job as a setter. I mean, we really missed her in that Missouri game. Um, when she went out with a little injury, uh, but she came back and helped us in that fifth set to get that win. Um, the very next day after Rice, um, K-State played 17th-ranked Creighton, lost in four sets, um, got down 2-0, able to take the third, but lost in the fourth. Um, Baca gets another double-double, but uh, just wasn't good enough against a really solid Creighton team. Yeah, I mean, number 17, Creighton, this is what this is probably one of our best teams coming back, um, uh, looking um, coming back from uh, an early round exit in the NCAA tournament. I think that loss came to Kansas um, this past season. KU made it, a, of course, to the Sweet 16. Uh, 16 kills by Shaley Myers, uh, 0.326 hitting efficiency. As well, you have Lauren Hankel at 37 assists and 10 digs. Uh, that turned into a double double. Uh, for the second for the second straight outing as well, um, I mean you had Mackenzie Morris. She logged her second consecutive twenty dig performance, turning into turning into twenty two to Lehigh players. Uh, she has been really a key a key piece for the K State back row. Um, definitely one that the Wildcats needed um, to really keep pace with some of the high flying offenses, especially with Rice, um, especially with uh, with how Rice heated up 
uh, and Friday night, uh, and then Creighton, uh, Creighton on Saturday. Um, I believe the Blue Jays, uh, they got 17 kills from one of our outside hitters, Keely Davis, I believe. Uh, 3.351, that, that is a really impressive efficiency rate. Uh, recorded a 13 kill, 12 dig, double double performance. So, um, great performance by Creighton. K State really, K State really got 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 going in the third set, but ultimately could not respond on day two. Um, kind of just another missed opportunity. K, uh, K, K State's K State's volleyball schedule. They got the wins that they needed to the most. But they haven't gotten those big wins that they needed to really boost case, their RPI, and really, that's real. That's really going to be what the NCAA tournament committee will keep an eye on um, before the postseason approaches. It's really who have they played and how have you performed against them, for the most part. And I think K State for still has a lot to prove. They play KU this upcoming Saturday. Um, as well as a slew of Big 12 opponents such as Texas Tech, uh, Iowa State, Baylor as well. I mean, you of course, you got the cream of a crop of the conference in Texas, who Texas has just been in – Texas is probably going to win the national championship right now. I mean, just seeing how they, they're playing, um, they, they've just looked absolutely loaded. But um, still a lot of opportunities left on the schedule, but you just got to – but sometimes you just got to kind of look back and saying there's just some opportunities right there, like the Rice match on Friday night, UCF a few weeks back, uh, just some opportunities lost, but still a long ways to go. Yeah, I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road, John. You know, you start conference play against KU, you know, rivalry game. Got to get the win there, especially at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. um, and, I, and I'll point this out as well. K-State has a buy, as a buy, as a kind of a buy slate. This week, this week, KU, KU does host Texas on when I believe on Wednesday night in Lawrence. Um, so that talk about a conference opener when Man. it's opening slate for KU. You first, you first host number one Texas, and the next thing you know, you head to Manhattan to play against your arch rival. Um, so, I mean that that is that is a dangerous opening slate right there, but. Um, Good opportunity to take some scouts. I mean, to take some scout reports um, for Wednesday night. Get the girls uh, back, back to back to practice and all that. Review, review some of the game plan for KU and see and see what's put out on the court. Yeah, that KU game is going to be really exciting. It's Saturday, September twenty fourth at four p.m. So it's just before K State plays Oklahoma. If you, you so you have the chance to go and see it before watching the. State football team that Saturday. Make sure to check them out. So let's move on to soccer, John. Uh, this one's a little bit disappointing playing South Dakota last game before conference play. South and State. South Dakota State. Oh my gosh. I messed it up last week. South Dakota State. Sorry. Uh, and we're shut out for the first time this season, which is kind of shocking, but uh, losing two to nothing. Um, what sticks out to me, John, when you look at the stats, only one corner for the entire game. The South Dakota's 14 corners. And K-State also had 12 fouls in the game. That's just there seems like a sloppy game all around where you, you couldn't really get anything going offensively. And you had 16 shots as well. So a, a few missed opportunities for K-State's offensive, for K-State's offense. Um, but both teams scoreless at halftime. 
Um, South Dakota State got things going eventually. They secured its first goal, uh, I believe, around the 50th minute. So well early in the second half, um, I believe it was, I believe 18 yards, 18 yards, I believe. And then they also added an insurance goal at the 60, 65th minute um, to really kind of seal the deal um, for, for the Jackrabbits. Um, just a, it, it looked as if K-State was, could have gone on a little bit of a four momentum um, from a Colorado State match that they had on Thursday night where they had but, uh, three goals in, in three minutes and all that stuff. Um, a little bit of a disappointing outing tonight, which look kind of wishing they would have capitalized and really came up, came, came out swinging with forward momentum on all that, um, before playing Iowa state next Thursday and Ames. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. It's just a real champ. You had such a great performance against Colorado state winning three, nothing. And it'd be really nice just to carry that into South Dakota state get something there but I mean you can't even get a goal on the board it, it's really disappointing there especially before you start conference play where things get really really tough um, for a team that was already projected to finish last I believe in the big 12 so yeah and 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 won't take too much away from South Dakota State just kind of looking at their record overall 5-0-3 I believe is their record so no losses I mean they're gonna really I mean they're not gonna uh they're not going to go away with an easy, with an easy outing. So whether it's a tie or, or a loss, I mean the, the South South Dakota State's pretty good. I mean those are the type of those are the type of squads that uh, that can kind of help you out with like when some tournament. Like I, I was kind of talking about this with volleyball, um, with with a tournament committee kind of looking at all right, who have you played so far? Played a mid major or two, because mid major teams that have better records um, can really uh, help help impact um, your strength of schedule overall. So I don't know. I, I didn't. I wasn't able to watch the game because it was on all all Jackrabbits all access. Because uh, I mean, because apparently we had to pay money in the Summit League. Um, so. Uh, that's pretty much all I got to take away from that. I think they also held a six. I think the Jackrabbits. I think they they uh they had a fourteen one margin on the corner corner kicks. So my goodness, that is that's a lot. That's a lopsided advantage right there. But I think they also had um sixteen to eight. Uh, uh trying to put this into to context, I think they had they had a sixteen eight advantage in total shots as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, not, not really the best way to re, um, wrap up a Wildcat weekend, which kind of wish you got some big wins overall, of course, headlined by the <laughs> football performance, which, yeah. we, which we already done enough venting, but, um, hoping to see not only some, some more from the football team next week, but hopefully starting off conference play next week for the volleyball team, soccer team as well. Um. Because you know you got some big games coming up, you really want to start on the on the right track, especially in, in the Big Twelve where everybody's going to be just beating up on everybody every night. Yeah. yeah, you know, John, I'll say this: when it comes to non-revenue sports, um, wherever you go, wherever K State's on the road, the broadcast always is worse. So, or maybe you don't get to watch the broadcast at all, 
but yeah, for non-ref sports, we, uh, it seems like every game, every time we try to watch a volleyball game or a soccer game or, you know, women's basketball or baseball games on the road, the broadcast is just always way worse. If you, if you think some of the, I mean, you, you haven't, I don't think you, do, do you recall the West Virginia game, basketball game in Morgantown last year? No, I don't think, yeah, I don't remember that. All right, so that was an ESPN Plus game, and apparently the commentators, they, well, they were doing this from their house. Of course. They were not seeing the cameras. Like, they, they, they had no, oh. no camera. They had no, they had no viewing in sight. They, they couldn't say anything for like a minute or so. And then they had just had to point out like like every every minute or two, uh, still not seeing it. Like they they had yeah. to TV just to just to get for TDs, the directors and all that to. Oh my gosh! Really comp- comprehend that. I mean that was no. that was an abysmal broadcasting performance I've ever ever seen. <laughs> but um, just kind of seeing some of these, just kind of seeing some of the broadcast uh, broadcast overall. Uh, it just kind of makes me thankful, ma- makes me really thankful that we have K-State HDTV and shout out to Andy Leafs, man. I mean, and, and everybody <laughs> else that works there. I mean, and just weird. And these two, these two bums named Blake Crawford and John Grow, like, the, yeah. like those, those people there, they really know how to get a show, a show and, and a product production going over there so uh, but all in all seriousness though um they're really the ones that they're really the ones that get the, be- the best quality when it comes to um some of the non-revenue sports going it's it's just great to see all around yeah and you have to give credit for the to the university as a whole for you know willing to put in the resources to care about that stuff and to care about social media and all the content for that and how many people we hire for that and all the great people we have working there that you know they understand the importance of it and and not only just based on the social media teams and all that um you're you're now seeing people that are coming out help helping out some of the teams that don't typically get the most amount of support that they that they can i mean we we've back i'll i'll put this kind of into to context so we can kind of wrap up a show but you you look at some of the sports such as um, such as rowing or tennis, uh, even volleyball. Um, none of them have really have had the share the, the the share when it comes to some of the facility situations that they've been a part of. Um, of course, football they've had their home. They have a stadium renovated with like so many projects now. Um, you got Bramlage as well. They're going for some renovations. Toyton Family Stadium, just a complete just a complete renovation all all that just looks like a complete new stadium k-state volleyball really got the rough end rough end of a stick they've been looking for a home for who knows how many years um they've been playing at ahern field house for um since um for a long time until 2020 um when COVID hit but yeah, when it was so old, it wasn't like you couldn't play in there because it wasn't safe. <laughs> there was there was no air conditioning in there. Oh no gosh. air conditioning. I mean, it was all rust. It was all rusty around there. It just did not work out for them. Um, 
just seeing just hearing some of the situations like that it just makes me it just makes me thankful for not only the moments that we can kind of cherish from being in some of those buildings um but it also makes me thankful that there are many people in manhattan and in wildcat nation that um that care for some of these programs knowing that they've fallen off on some hard times when it comes to their facility situation um and i'm looking forward to seeing what how um uh what their new what what i believe a new morgan volleyball arena um has to afford as well because um they, they've been they've been long overdue for a new for a new facility john let's end the show with a quote from chris Kleiman. let's do gene it taylor gene's my guy i don't know where i was going with what i was i don't know where i was going with it to be we honest. don't need to go anywhere we can just get out of here thank you so That's much right. for it <laughs> It's been a long night, guys. John, I'm trying to leave. Can we just leave? Oh, my gosh. We can't just stay here forever. We can't make an infinite podcast. We could try, though. <laughs> yeah, we got to do, uh, do a 24-hour live show once when we, once when we pass uh, some kind of big... We hit <laughs> a 24... If we hit 1,000 followers, I'll do a 24-hour live stream. Of, I don't know what we'll do for 24 hours, but I'll do it. I've been up uh, a few nights. I've been up since 3 a.m. I can. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't think that compares to 24 hours. I, I, I can try and I can try and handle it. Well, we'll get there. We got a ways to go to get to a thousand followers, John. We have to make some viral content for that to happen. Hey, well, speaking kinda, of, yeah, I was just going to say, kind of make so make kind of makes a, a leeway. Nice segue what for you to say? follow us on Twitter at shakenblake 785 and take our Sporkle quizzes on Sporkle.com where the links will be in the description. Also, if you could, I know the majority of you listeners are listening on Apple Podcasts, so if you could leave a review while you're there, that would be much appreciated. Really help the algorithm and everything like that. Uh, we'll be back this Friday live on Wildcat 91.9 to preview OU and hopefully be a little bit less mad. And uh, Cats by 90. Cats by 90. Emo. Emo.